0: Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a shout-out to my supporters on Patreon. I'm talking about Rob, Robert, Robert, MJ, and Case. Thank you so much for supporting me on Patreon. If you, too, listener, want to join the ranks of shout-outs on this podcast and more, you can go to patreon.com slash stormageddon. And join for as little as a dollar to as much as I believe I have a $500 DJ set available that you can purchase as well. Um, but really, any little bit counts and helps. So, thank you. Um, on to the episode that you are listening. This is a QA and a with the incredible band Stabbing Westward um, that I did. I moderated at Dark Side of the Con 3. Um, I want to thank first and foremost Vampire Freaks and Jet for giving me this opportunity as well as the panel coordinator Julia who was a guest on a previous episode. Um, Stepping Westward is a band that I loved growing up and that I'm excited is back together and playing some new music and I was really stoked to get the chance to moderate this Q&A. Some warnings up front, the audio is a little wonky. For the most part you can hear the band clearly and the questions being asked but I was recording while they were on a PA, and so there is a little bit of echoing, but for the most part, it's pretty clear. I'm a little peaky when I ask questions, but for the most part, it is driven by the audience. Um, this is not like a typical interview that I do. This is, again, a Q&A that's mostly perpetuated by the audience members, and uh, I was happy to just be in the room, be a part of it, and help facilitate. So again... This is my Q&A with Stabbing Westward at Dark Side of the Con 3. Please go to VampireFreaks.com and check out their stuff. Um, This goth convention was a blast. I had such a good time. And my next episode in two weeks is actually also going to be from the con. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully going to the fourth one next year. And again, shout out to Jet and Vampire Freaks. Thanks. On with the episode. hey everybody what's going on thank yeah. you i'm good let's act like we're actually I'm excited good. to be here yeah. yeah. Stabbing yeah. um my name is stormageddon i'm a present, uh panelist so. at several panels That's this weekend fine. i am friends You're with the panel coordinator who is amazing julia shout out julia yeah. and i'm also a fan of these guys and when i got offered the opportunity to moderate this i got very excited so thank you guys for being here thank you for Telling us we had to be. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> hey! Um, uh, before like, I brought questions, but like if you guys have questions, let's take your questions. Does anyone have any questions? Why are you up this early? Right? <laughs> if you all were at the concert last yes. night...
1: How do you not all explode in the sunlight?
0: You! You have a question.
2: Yes. Uh, well, how did you come up with the name Stabbing
1: Westward?
2: We <laughs> Interesting question. Uh, okay, well... Uh, <laughs> there, you, would, you would think,
3: yeah, that's actually a good idea. Who's got a thought? Like, I need a good reason why, because we really don't have a good reason why. Uh, there was a list. There was a list. We needed a name. We had a show in like two weeks time, and we didn't really have a name for the band, so we were at the college radio station making a list, looking at albums, and we were at uh, Western Illinois University.
1: I had a list that I got from I was into fantasy novels at the time, and I was reading uh, the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, The Unbeliever, and I had made a list of funny names from that book, like Revelstone and like all these really stupid names. And they were like and they looked really cool when I wrote them down, and then I showed them to you, and you're like, "That is fucking retarded, dude! What the fuck are you talking
3: about? Because you don't read fantasy novels." Yeah. But, um, Go ahead but uh, all right so then we had we did have a list we did i can only most remember, of them sucked i can only remember two one we one we used and we went with stabbing westward because a small town in the middle of illinois and nobody really understood the kind of music that we were doing and, and we thought and i wanted to stab everybody in the face we thought what a funny what a funny play on well not kind of, it wasn't very funny but an interesting play on words and so stabbing for the next 25 Westford. years we would walk up
1: to people and they'd be like, are you guys in a band? Yeah, what What band? Stabbing Westward? Stubbing what? Like, that's like literally, our guitar tech has a video of, of a thousand people going, stabbing what? Like, like, it just, like, it was the worst. I think that we would have been a far more successful if band. I, if I had known that we still have the name thirty if, years I would have gone with Nickelback. It was literally on the list. And used at the time. It was on the list. You shouldn't have left that list wherever you put it. <laughs> Fuckers went to the radio station, pulled it out.
3: So so basically, we just went with that because of proximity with Western Illinois University and. And we hated them. Yes, so. What was the other
1: name? Rebel Stone. Rebel <laughs> Stone. <laughs> awful. He's like, what are we, the Flintstones? I'm like, no, that's not what it is. You know, we were actually thinking also that because we lived in corn. It would be really cool to get to California, which meant we had to stab westward like the pioneers. And so um, that was. And we made it to California. <laughs> <laughs> and Disneyland was closed. <laughs> the moose <motion> shouldn't have told you. <laughs> Other questions? Yeah. So I kind of thought of
0: this today. I don't know. First, I think you shared it on Facebook. So probably, I,
4: remember. I don't do Facebook. What about the, the story behind the font on Wither Run
0: Teal about uh, how it's actually, the guy who came up with it actually did it in blood? Uh, I'm not to that, but my question really is just going to be, is there any other I, don't know, I interesting I stories I or, or I don't, artwork and stuff came from that you can tell us about the, besides
1: that? The, do you mean the feces story?
3: No, no. <laughs> the, uh,
0: the Jim,
3: feces Jim feces Marcus feces. from Diwarside did that logo, and he did a, an expose on Facebook about how he created it, where he used his own blood. Really? And that's that's why yeah. That's that's why it has that lottery look in it. Cuz he couldn't he couldn't create the look he was looking for with until he tried that and and he so he posted I didn't know the story either until he posted it. I think this might be an exaggeration. Yep. Yeah. It's a cool exaggeration. It it's is, a good story. Kind kind of, it up. It's, it's kind so, of girl. So so that's that that's where so he posted it and then I I it. Did he use it. like a feather quill?
0: <laughs> Probably my question was like, uh, is there any other stories
2: like that about the artwork of any of the albums or how you conceptualize
1: anything? That Darkest Days anything like that? Mm. was designed by Dave McKean, who is um, the artist who does all the Sandman comic books. And he's like one of my golden god heroes. And um, he, he did all the artwork. And other than making one of the statues an anatomically correct representation of our drummer, which freaked us all out... Um, <laughs> It was amazing, and and it's like it was the first time anyone had ever done artwork for us. We were just like, yes. All the other ones were like, eh, what if you did this? And we, you know, you know all, I'm super anal about that kind of stuff. But on that one, I was just like, yeah. Other than the drummer being the head, that's just kind of weird. But other than that, it was awesome. Um, and then we got to meet him, and he did like a gallery exhibit of all the, the pieces, all of his pieces from Sandman and our pieces were there like eight foot by eight foot, and that was that was a big deal for me. I, was, I mean, because I'm a huge Sandman comic guy, so... Are we at Comic-Con? <laughs> <laughs> Other questions? Anybody? Yeah, see you. 99,
3: I think you played at Grammar. The uh, Valerie with placebo mm-hmm. and, and Flick. David Bowie came out. Yes, he oh, did. That was at the Urban Plaza. Who wants to tell that uh, story? I was curious, like, did you guys talk? Oh, to him? Yeah. boy, do we yeah. have a story? He actually asked him if he would please not come the next night. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's,
1: a, it's a great honor to have you open for us, Mr. Bowie. But if you could not come tomorrow night to the second night, that would be awesome. Because how the fuck do you follow David Bowie? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean and to get to because he had been he did a track with placebo and so that's kind of how that marriage came about but there's there, such a better story to get them. to get to their dressing room you would have to walk through our dressing room yeah and it would to get to the stage yeah uh yeah yeah
1: so you so we so, have to go from the balcony area yeah to get so like a, so to get from to here the, to go to the stage you have to go through the headliners dressing room and then go down the stairs to the stage And it was their last song, which means we're on Next, so we're changing our clothes. And um, knock on the door. Come in. Sir David Bowie walks in (laughs) with his unbelievably gorgeous seven-foot-tall wife. And our bass player is uh, trouserless at the (laughs) moment. And um, what did David Bowie say? I can't remember. Shoot, I don't remember. It was something like...
3: He is it was complimentary.
1: Yeah, he was super. <laughs> he was super nice and, and the kind of was, was the very nice English.
4: There was, just a, of there was definitely a glance down penis. to the penis. <laughs>
3: our bass player yeah, Jim is very uh,
1: blessed in that area. And uh, if it had been me, it'd been the George Costanza cold water Seinfeld. Or, or, the water was cold. I was in the water, but it wasn't. It was, it was like nice penis Cyril, well, Thank you. Um, and then the please do not come tomorrow. Yeah. Which yeah. And I think if I could redo that moment, you, you said something better. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Still just an asshole. It again. Just, 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 just again. Yeah, just I, I, I want to tell go go David Bowie not to show up two times. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, I mean it. Don't come around. <laughs>
4: it was interesting having David Bowie have to cut through your dressing room. Like he did it like three times that day. Yeah, so were you at the show? Jarring. I
3: mean, the energy was was pretty <clears throat> intense that night. Mm-hmm. I thought. Crowd thinned <laughs> out after Bowie left. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <kidding>.
4: I
3: loved. <laughs> <laughs> I can't follow this.
0: Questions? Anybody? Questions?
4: Why are uh, we wearing
0: so many antlers? Yeah, <laughs> there's several, right? What's that? I like it back there. So, um, of the albums released under the Stabbing Westward
3: uh, moniker, what yes. was your uh, favorite album to work on, or your favorite album personally? Ungod. I think Ungod stands the test of time the best out of all of them, personally. Um, but I have a very close affection with Darkest Days as well.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think when we did On God, um, we hadn't been through the meat grinder of corporate music. And we thought that getting a record deal meant that you had succeeded. So we went into it with this sort of blind, naive, let's just make some art Crazy passion, and we had this insane guitar player named Stuart Zeckman, who was a genius and a madman. True in both sense. Um, and he he injected a level of musicality into that album that we were never ever to fall fo- we were never able to follow up on. Now, granted, we wrote more pop songs after that, or songs with like, you know, that got on the radio more, more hooks, stuff like that. But there was never that degree of emotional and musical intensity that we got on the first one, because we just didn't care we just wanted to make you know art and on the second one because nothing wasn't a big hit it was like a medium-sized not quite hit um, the record label really wanted us to have something on k-rock on key 101 on the alternative radio stations because those were just really starting to happen and there's no reason we couldn't you know sort of make that happen if we had the right song and we didn't try and write songs on wither to um, do that But because the Mad Genius had left and been replaced with uh, our drummer, who was a really good kind of pop songwriter, his style was What Do I Have to Do, Sometimes It Hurts, was Andy's writing style. And um, he he came up with What Do I Have to Do before he was in Stabbing Westward. He played it for me, and I'm like, dude, that's a great song. If we could just give it some testicles and a little (laughs) bit of chest hair, I think um, we could do something with it. And so we toughened it up a bit, made it a bit less erasure and a bit more... Depeche and um and um yeah it got it got on the radio and while that was a a huge life-changing moment for us it also set us on a path of constantly trying to one up that accidental mistake. And so the feeling that we had on that first album of not giving a shit never existed again. It was always in the back of your mind, at least Two of these songs have to be good enough to get on the radio. And granted, on Darkest Days, by loading it with sixteen, we were able to have a bunch. Our odds were better. Yeah, our odds were better. And, and honestly, Save Yourself I was just, not I, written as a hit. It was just written as a really cool song that I think was a hit because of
3: that. Well, I, I, I'll disagree with you because I when I because <laughs> when I when I was working on that, I kind of knew that I, I felt that this that was a, a single. Okay. Um, Now the label didn't, they didn't say, they said we didn't have any singles. They're
1: like, so let me get this straight. You're telling your fans that you can't help them and that they should go fuck themselves. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we're all in it together, that I am I have no answers. You have to find it inside yourself. So you're saying that they're fucked and that they should go fuck themselves, is what you're saying. That's what Donnie Einer kept saying to me. And I'm like, no, man, I'm trying. It's a, it's a song of empowerment. He goes, it sounds like you're giving up responsibility and just like, say- well, I'm not fucking responsible for these people. Oh, my God, you should see the mail I get. My dad raped me. Uh, I want to kill myself. Can you help me? I'm like you want me to kill your dad? What do you want me to do? I don't know. I'm not the equalizer. I'm not Denzel Washington. I don't know what we're doing here. So that's, that's what I was getting, and I was a very young, um, immature child at the time, and people thought, oh, he writes these deep songs. Um, he has all the answers. I'm like, no, they're all, I'm complaining in all of them. I'm not like ever saying, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> What it, was your question? It, it, became a, it became a really, it
3: became a, the biggest, the most listened to song that we Ever, released. in the world. We, that we released. Okay. I, I actually have a follow-up question okay. for you guys.
0: Um, based on that, and talking about the difference between your writing styles, what do you feel your writing style is like now, because you're saying you're, com- you're not coming from that immature place anymore? you like, um, it grown? What is it about? Where's the focus? <laughs> what?
1: <Whoops. laughs> it's still immature, but older.
4: <laughs> That's good.
1: That's good. no i I definitely feel like we we are putting out a new record this year. We have a bunch of songs right yes. um after stabbing split up, I spent the next ten years writing songs in another band, and I didn't have a Walter by my side to carry the burden of writing all the music, so I had to do it myself and it taught me a ton like the first record was like mm, and then the second record got, got better and the third and then the He came on the third one, and it got really good, really fast. But it taught me uh, the things that I was doing as a singer when I was letting, not letting, but other people wrote music, and I would write vocals on top of it. Suddenly, I had to write the whole thing. And so that gave me a fresh perspective. And I think bringing that to the table and then re-injecting... Yeah, that's where I was going to go with. Uh, (laughs) Re-injecting his style into it, I think has made it more
3: than it was. And we don't care. We're back to not caring. That's really kind of it, because... I don't think we're looking to be on the radio. No, no. I mean, that's, that's, that's that's not yeah that's that's not the focus anymore. We're our livelihood doesn't depend upon no. having that kind of success. So now we're we're kind of free to kind of do the sounds that we want to do.
1: Yeah, I think when we it's originally kind of... started the band, we oh, go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna. Okay. Um. <laughs> I was gonna say something like uh, I was gonna be a jackass like I usually am, but so okay. it's not
4: important. You go, you go ahead.
1: I think when we, when we started the band, um, it, was, it was me and Walter and then a guitar player, we didn't have a drummer, we were pure industrial, we had a, 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 like a metal swing set on stage with bent metal on it and we would beat on it with sticks facing each other, kind of marching, drum, marching band style where we'd be facing each other on the other side of the stuff and be playing multi-percussion stuff over the top of tracks running on a four track cassette which one time i dropped the cassette behind the bass amp while we we're in the middle of a show and i had to switch it i'm like how the fuck do i i can't even see it's pitch dark there's a curtain i think it went under the riser i'm like well, i don't know it's a we funny. can't do that song we can't do that <laughs> <song>. <laughs> um, so so our roots long long ago were were wax tracks were ministry twitch um you know early ministry depeche mode when Nine Inch Nails came out, we were like, fuck, that's exactly what we were doing. And it's really good. Yeah. I was like, fuck, that is exactly what we were doing, but much, much better.
3: Okay. Um, what? B- he did it better. No. Uh, we no, were, no, I'm we just kidding. Yeah, yeah no, he, what, a pretty hip
1: machine was better than what we were doing. At the time. But, um, and, and as, as our career path took us, we became more of a rock band. You know, we became more of a band that was drums, bass, guitar, with, with, Sins and tracks going on in the background, but that really started to take over. We had songs in the middle part of our career that sounded more like Bush than Nine Inch Nails, you know, that were just straight up grunge tracks. And uh, I think now he and I are like, you know what, much to Mark's chagrin, we're like, I want to go back to being really, really electronic and like, you know, being those guys again. Totally cool with that. <laughs> it's like, I can drink. No guitar on this track? Awesome. <laughs> going to the bar. Question there. Um, so with, with your discography, which song has the most sentiment to you as individuals? On your way down. Uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Actually, I thought that was a really bitter, angry track. That, um, I would say Waking Up Beside You, because I, I wrote that when I was going through a divorce, the lyrics, and uh, the, I actually got my divorce while we were on tour. And playing in Chicago that day, and I had to go to the courthouse that morning in front of the judge, get the divorce, and then go do an acoustic show at Q101, and then play a show at the a big theater, Aragon, Riviera, Riv, Riv, yeah, that night. And when, when I sang that song, I lost my shit. Like, like that was like. Sometimes you write something that hits so close to home, and then the moment like intersects and it's like actually hard to sing. So that that one for me, I think. What's for you? Uh,
3: waking Up. Um, but the way he and I worked in the past, and I guess to some degree, sometimes we still do it, every song's different, but songs like Save Yourself and Waking Up, I kind of craft the song and then hand it to him, and then he makes magic happen. <laughs> what am
1: I supposed to do with this? <laughs> That's what
3: 90% of the time we get that, no. but then the other times we get, no. we get Save Yourself, and waking up and but just music from the music side you know the instruments it's like that was i was in a place and i just felt that the passion was really in that song and just everything like, came together
1: i like how that one grows yeah you know, it starts really small and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger i like that
3: hmm.
1: mark Go.
4: um actually uh, uh on your way down actually so, <laughs> because not i didn't write the lyrics obviously um it was a part of the recording process, um, and I had, I had never been a part of that before. And we were tracking guitars, and I'm standing in a control room that was about as bright as this. I've got three people on computers behind me talking about you know trying to do some other track. I've got the producer talking on the fucking phone to somebody.
1: Heroin. <laughs> and I'm standing there trying to
4: track. There's just no vibe at all. Right. And I got super fucking angry. It was like. Get me headphones and get me out in the room with the speakers. I want to make some racket. And so that, the awful sounding guitar solo section in that song was me fucking super angry in a room with amps loud enough that there were like six guitar cabinets all on. And it was just tearing my fucking head off. I'm surprised you had a kid. (laughs) It took a while.
1: It's pretty
3: Uh, Yeah.
4: Uh, but that was that section of that song was me just super uh, pissed off and wanting to uh, express myself. <laughs> that's why it sounds so awful. <laughs> uh, do you prefer
1: the way that the music industry is today, or versus how it was back? When you Say what? Do you prefer like the way
0: that the in- music industry has kind of like individualized itself, and it's not really about record companies so much anymore, versus how it was?
3: Yeah, that that's, that's, a really great question. I think um, it's definitely definitely very different. Um, uh, there's a lot more freedom and ability for people to make music and release music. Um, it's some of the terrible. That's the that <laughs> uh, no, sad, sadly that that's can be part of the problem. Is that now that anybody can do it, people do, and feel like the quality bar is as been lowered to a degree.
1: And, and I think the, the cheaper it gets to record music, the fact that like I can record in my bedroom, um, I think that's liberating. It makes it so that people who didn't have access to half a million dollar studios um, can make music but at the same time when you're going to go into a half a million dollar studio and make a record you you've sort of double checked that the songs are good yeah. you've had you've had multiple filters of producers and people that are like okay these are 10 good songs or three and and you can we'll give you the money to do it when you're doing it on your own you could pretty much polish a turd for a year and just come with off shit on your hands and just like it's still a turd but you were able to do it and now it's on spotify and i have to listen to it even if it's eight bars before I hit skip and you only get two skips an hour so it's like how many turds do I need to skip <laughs> and then the fucking ads start it's like yeah um, but at the same time we don't want to be on a label oh, I shouldn't say that we, are on a label. <laughs> we don't really want to be on a label in Stabbing West where we want to just be able to make our own records and um, get them to you guys yeah, I mean that's the other
3: thing is that now because of the technology is that you can make vinyl you can <laughs> right now that we are our own label though, um, but, but you can it's easy to release a song. You, you just do it. You put it out there. You can do another one next week, and um, you stay in people's, you know, forefront of their mind. And it, it, so it's a, kind of a Catch Twenty Two. There's good things and bad things to the way it's evolved, and it'll continue to evolve. Uh, Walter is a, a music director at an alternative
1: radio station in Chicago. So he's. Very much an expert on this thing. If you have any questions about Ninjago or how to raise a three year old really badly, <laughs> that would be me. Well, I have no
4: skills. <laughs>
1: Lloyd is the Green Ninja. Just wondering. Additional questions.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm doing in front. Um, I know we briefly spoke about Snow
2: Ace's concert. Yes. Is there, that concert stood out to me. Also, because
1: all the other people were wimps, and they could only play one song, and then they're oh, I'm Noel Gallagher, and I'm cold, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> Another show that stood out to me, and I'm proud to say I was up against around like 80,000 people at RFK Stadium. Where I broke my nose. Where they threw a phone at yeah. yeah. like Was Festival. there any other shows that create like, is there
2: anything like that really stands out to you? Like, is.
3: Those are really... Two really good
1: ones. Yeah, getting your nose broken and then hugged by Dave Grohl is a pretty big moment. That's <laughs> great. I can't believe I was able to hit you with that.
3: Phone. <laughs> <laughs> I I think
1: I yeah, yeah. So if you, did, if you didn't you know the story, we were playing at RFK, this huge stadium, and it, it was a shit show the entire day. Like everybody in the audience was throwing money phones, boots, like people were crowd surfing and, and people were like, why would you throw your phone? You wouldn't throw your phone. You threw the asshole who crowd surfed and dropped his phone. You throw that phone. So people were like pulling the shoes off of people and then they thought it was funny to throw it at the bands. And so bands were playing three or four songs and then getting pissed off and walking off the stage because how many times you get hit with a fucking shoe before you're like, fuck it, this is not worth it. I I ha- I used to sing with my eyes closed generally and I was doing the whole show like a fucking ninja, eyes open, just dodging and whiting shit out of the air and I'm like fuck you I'm gonna do the whole show and then Shame was the last song and there's a part where I hit a really long note at the end and I closed my eyes and I really sank into it arms out arms out fucking full Creed moment (laughs) (laughs) helicopter and they had big screens they had giant big screens for to show the people in the nosebleed and they were zoomed in on my face and all of a sudden this Nokia logo comes through (laughs) and it hit me right here and it hit like and then hit the microphone so the microphone punched me in the mouth too oh. and you could hear it through the peeling.
2: like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you didn't stop singing my mouth. head went
1: like that and my teeth hit the mic again and then i kept singing i just like kind of shook it off and kept singing and apparently it bled yeah. horrifically it, it <laughs> got me right on the bridge of the nose and broke it and it bled like like walking dead bled it was really cool <laughs> and i kind of shook my head and i've seen the video in slow it's like Blood sprays and then my shirt's all bloody. And I finish singing. I say, "Fuck you, good night." And we, we walk off. And then Dave Grohl runs out and he's like, "You're my fucking hero." And I'm like, "You're gonna write a song about that song." <laughs> <laughs> good. That
3: was good. Thank you. All right, guys. What it? This was in 2001 after the song already. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Damn. I wasn't gonna date check this. Sorry. But you know. He did say, hey, you're my hero, though, uh, and that <laughs> makes me feel really good. Uh, how could it yeah. not?
1: No, that, was, that wasn't that was pre-9-11. I don't think so. No, that
3: was... No, it was, that be- was, it was. I
2: want to
3: say 2002. No, we broke up. In two- it was 2001. 2001. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2001. <laughs> it's all kind of hazy. That record had only been out for like five years at that point. What,
4: really? <laughs> that one?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he wrote that for the firefighters of 9-11. In the front? Is that yeah. a country song? Yeah, I I like your shirt. <laughs> Keep uh, yeah. uh-huh. I mean after, after all these years you guys are quiet and I hear working with the dreaming bolster of the radio mark. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're doing. I have no I have no skills. He sets up, <laughs> he sets up video presentations for courts. Not anymore. No? What are you doing now? Are you, are you a Bill Bondsman? Sit down, everybody. I'm a network engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Here are the people. Which, which I need every night when I set up our projector. Dude, it's doing that thing again. Mark, oh. help me with the projector. Like, if you look at his text messages, the only time I text message him is at 4.30 on a Friday or Saturday. Mark, I need help with the projector. He has like a like hundred on. of them.
3: Repeat, <laughs> repeat. <laughs> uh, after all this
0: time... You, you had a question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After all the time, that you guys had this...
1: Break, what kind of sparked everything to kind of come back together? My dad died. Oh, I didn't <laughs> like him. Um, yeah, my dad died, and I flew back to Illinois to go to his funeral, and he showed up in a suit. I don't weird. Know. And I hadn't seen him in 10 years, and we had some bad blood between us because of a couple of misunderstandings and a cat. I don't know. And. Um, <laughs> Made that out. and we went out drinking and had some food and talked and and uh, the next day we're like dude we have to like make some music together and we wrote kind of wrote alone the next like that week yeah
3: yeah well actually we, we kind of wrote it there <laughs> You, you well, yeah. played me a piece of music, and I'm like, I have lyrics so that will fit perfect right. over that. We actually had written the song about the same time, shortly after the band broke up, I think, right? Alone? Yeah, didn't you, when did you write the lyrics for that? I thought it was after that. Anyway. Okay. Uh, we wrote, that was Flyway. Uh, we wrote the same song, but without knowing the other person, person who wrote right. that half. He so, wrote the music, I wrote the words. We the, put these two pieces together. I was like, oh my god, that's worked really well just kind of, like, kind of like the things that we've done in the past like waking up and say yourself but it, it was it was one of those things where him reaching out saying my dad died did i reach down. out to you you did oh uh, and i thought so, you just showed up really yeah, yeah no you reached oh, out that's cool and, and you're like I'm coming to my dad died i'm coming to Illinois you want to grab a coffee i thought here. you just showed up no you said oh, i yeah, thought so you, highly yeah. of
2: you but that, <laughs> all right, that's it it's <laughs> over <laughs> <laughs> i <I'm> not.
1: <laughs> and then so we, we did the dreaming together and we thought well we can't really do stabbing westward um we didn't know why we just thought that and then we played chicago and we said hey mark you want to come play i showed up <laughs> with, the, with the guitar <laughs> like what the fuck, dude what is he doing here? no and we're like we're like hey do you want to uh, get up and play some stabbing songs at the end of the set and so we Um, Normally, we would pepper Stabbing songs in the Dreaming set because we know that's the only thing people come for. Um, And it's like if you spread them out, then you get them to listen to your other songs. But we put them all at the end. And when Mark got up and played with us, it just felt so correct. And so then we got an offer from Cold Waves to do one show as Stabbing Westward. And we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. It's a charity. So maybe no one will be mad. And we did it. And no one was mad. And then we quietly did a Halloween show. And no one got mad and I just kept waiting for like an email or a Facebook message or something from a really irate former member and it just never happened and then one day we played Cleveland and our old drum tech was like hey Andy says hi we're like oh okay so he knows we're doing it and he says hi cool that's kind of like blessing so so now we're just doing it and we're
0: talking to you what was the question? (laughs) it doesn't matter at this point the adventure was way more fun than the yeah. starting point yeah. uh, any more questions guys in the back you're gonna have to get louder or come closer that's all right no. all right <laughs> i wanted to thank you guys that's not a question <laughs> <laughs> correct it's not a question yeah
1: my life was filled with a lot of turmoil and through uh you know, a lot of abuse bad relationships and to iraq you guys got me through every single moment Every time that I hear people say that they took us with us, took us with them overseas, I just have to say thank you for your service. It means it's so, so awesome for, for, for us to know that we were there for you when you were there for us, and that's super fucking cool. Thank absolutely. you absolutely. No crying. <laughs> Don't make me cry, man. Uh, I, I cried when I got to the beginning of the last album. <laughs> I cry every time I think about that pile of shit. Okay, we don't have to talk about that.
0: <laughs> You're welcome.
1: Still not a question. But thank you. Yeah. Dude, thanks.
0: Any uh, questions? Yes, sir? So earlier you had mentioned about... Um, with Doing
4: alone and that, which I
1: thought had a kind of very ungod feel, mm-hmm. trying to go back more towards like ungod. No, ungod was like Stewart. You know, I mean, fifty percent of ungod was written by by Stewart and his like musical style, um, and he was a guitarist and a bassist. So his his style of writing was even more rock than. I mean, he was the bass player for Filter before they did Hey Man I nice Shot. That's why ungod and him. <laughs> What? I wanted to ask about it when I let it go. No, it's 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 pretty common knowledge. Him and him and Rich wrote that song together and when they split up, they didn't know that the other person was gonna use it. So we're we're Rich and I are cool about it. Um he, he won. <laughs> he fucking platinum record, you know. Fine, I think it's a great song. I think he did it's much a, better vocal. My, my my vocals are more Gut-wrenching, I think, as far as emotional, but his are like, you know, have like a visceral impact. So, like, we wrote two completely different songs that just happen to have the same guitar riff and bassline and melody. Um, But other than that, and uh, and gated stuff. uh, But no, I don't think we're going back to Unguy. We're we're going forward. We're trying not to go back, but we're definitely um, digging into our, our industrial roots a great degree. A lot of electronic stuff just simply because I don't have a drum kit set up in my house, so...
0: And I have no skills. You do have skills. (laughs) Um, I actually had a vocals question. Okay. Your voice seems more or less unchanged over the years. Do you have a special way that you like, kind of keep. <laughs> no, that's just my voice. That's just one... <laughs>
1: You just take terrible care of it and it works out? Hey! It's just my voice. It's just how it sounds. It's nothing, yeah. It's just like, that must hurt. No, it really doesn't. That's just how, that's how, it. how it comes out of my head, just like that. Awesome. All right. My speaking voice is the one that's weird. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> when I talk, it doesn't sound like me at all. More questions? Anybody? Yes. Okay. So the gentleman in the back said that uh, he carried you with him when he went through things in life. He meant on a CD yeah. or something. Like I not was, the actual I actual was not in his <laughs> backpack. They weren't with him. He <laughs> didn't have one of those baby Bjorn's. Like five guys <laughs> in your backpack, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. those, that band's really <laughs> slowing you down. <laughs> um. There was so throughout.
4: <laughs> Win. He wins.
1: He wins the Q A. Good job, John. Oh my God. Was there a question? <laughs> so throughout your lives, what musicians
0: or albums have carried you through things? Something that you keep circling back to, or something that you go to when you are going through something? Like, what has been something that uh, helped you?
1: Um. Rocky like a hurricane by the scorpions. <laughs> Every day before the show, he locks himself in the bathroom with a big, big scorpion. Yeah, I yeah. am! The bitch is hungry. She needs to tell, so give her inches and feed her well. Are those the Yes! <laughs> fucking awful. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So bad. She's licking her lips. She's ready to win on the hunt tonight for love it first Sting? 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 Yeah. Do I hear a cover coming up? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to be a ginormous Cure fan. That was my go-to head-on-the-door pornography. Um, 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 the other one that starts with a D that I cannot seem to... Disintegration. Disintegration. Yeah. Um, but over the, the last couple of years, I've, I've grown a unbelievably deep... Appreciation for Depeche Mode as far as like the depth of their songwriting and the just sheer numbers of amazing songs that they have. Um, I, I think that they're probably my favorite after the Scorpions.
3: <laughs> Walter? Oh, it's like um, I always go back to my Ministry collection. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just, I mean, in, you, different heroes, <coughs> different albums have different emotions and sounds. And so it's like, That's always been my go-to. I stop at mine. is a terrible
1: thing to taste. After that, I'm just kind of like... Were there other records after that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, I mean, with Depeche, it just keeps going. You know, it's like every record, there's a couple of really good songs on it. Mark? Jawbox? Failure? (coughs) What? (laughs) Uh, Depeche and The Cure,
4: uh, for sure. Um, I'm a big Catherine Wheel fan, too. I, I find myself going back to them all the time.
1: Um, What's the band that does at the gay bar? Alexis.
0: Alexis. Yeah. Alexis. Alexis.
1: Oh, I'm gonna be doing that all day now. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're gonna be singing that to yourself the whole. Dance no, band not band to band. myself. Oh, <laughs> to everyone else. Just, just band of people. <laughs> at the gay
1: bar. He's <laughs> kind of doing the dance in your head. We're a very serious band. It's
0: clearly uh, right here in front. Is there any um, new industrial bands that you've? enjoy touring with are there
1: listening to or anybody that's here like this weekend at steven archer is awesome yeah he i i do not do facebook but i sometimes go to his page and watch him just make weird shit. and i'm like i'm just i told him that today i'm like i'm just gonna fucking copy and paste that and write vocals over it because you're just making crazy shit that never repeats and you could just take any minute and a half of it and make it a, a great song. And he, he's really cool. Uh, Joe Letz is here. He's a drummer from CombiChrist. Um, he's a great drummer. Um, are there any industrial bands? Um, I think when you get old, you stop listening to new stuff because it's just too hard. It's too much work. And I got invested in Linkin Park and then that ended badly. So it's like, um, you know. Yeah, I think Lincoln Park was the last band that I really, like, new band that I really, really liked. And Taylor Swift.
0: Oh <laughs> I think you're not. <sighs> Walter? Yes, Antlers. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know her name, I just wanted to call her okay.
2: Okay. She's a forest <laughs> nymph, man, come on.
3: in the music industry has there been a, a point in your careers where you were ready to say fuck this shit <laughs> now can i tell this one <laughs> which 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 time which <laughs> one <laughs> when, when we
1: recorded darkest days um, <laughs> we finished and we sent it to our record label and uh, the president of columbia is a gigantic italian mobster named donny einer and he is scary as fuck he's a big, scary, intimidating guy. you are in New Jersey, don't say much. Oh, it's just, it's, it is what it is. First time I met him, he took me in his office and he played me Allison in Chains' Rooster. No one had heard it yet, and he played it fucking brain-numbingly loud on this, like, $8 million stereo in his office. And I had to sit there and look excited because he was so excited and it was really good but i was just like oh my god my ears are bleeding why are we doing this he turns around too he'll put it on and you can't you
4: can't fly, you can't wave him off <laughs> no, he's like he's like to rocking to his, the whole fucking song and he's like, with with his, like his back like a billboard <laughs> You can't like, through the whole thing yeah
1: um so after we recorded darkest days um i get a a, a call from my manager and she says um donnie thinks the record is too long a record should have 10 songs no more than 10 songs nobody wants to listen to 16 songs it's too much it's too much to ask of people i'm like does it cost more to put on the cd what's the problem like no we actually we only
3: get paid on 10
1: songs yeah we only get paid on 10 songs. So we wrote a whole extra six songs and he said i've listened to the album 10 times there's a bunch of filler i think we should cut it down to 10 songs don't shake your head and um <laughs> I, I i agree with him to be honest with you and so we began this week-long process of going back and forth and cutting six songs. And it's not like you could just cut the six songs that weren't the best, or the six slowest, or anything like that, because there were songs that Andy had written, there were songs that Walter had written, there were songs that Walter and I had written, there's a couple of songs that I had written. And everyone, and we, this is at a weird stage in our career where we weren't getting along, very well at all when 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 we did wither we were a team when we did ungod or when we did darkest days we were starting to become camps like these weird like and like, i think it happens with a lot of bands so i had to gently negotiate with each person in the band to get them to give up a song or two in order to whittle it down to 10 songs and then i compared that list with donnie's list and then we made some compromises and we finally came to a compromise and andy the drummer said no I want to do the whole album, and I said, well, the guy who's paying it doesn't want to do the whole album, and, you know, he's going to be the person who gets behind the record and pushes the record, and um, our manager thought that it would be a good idea to put Andy on the phone with Donnie Einer. Um, you guys don't know Andy, but he doesn't change his mind. He's, like, one of the most stubborn It's not just stubborn. He just... When he believes he's right about something, then he's right, and he doesn't want to compromise on it. And I respect that to a great degree, unless you're dealing with suits, and they control his purse strings. And then you're you're fighting a war you can't win, and you end up on Koch records and dropped, like, very soon after. But um, they put Andy on the phone with Donnie Einer, and Donnie explained to him uh, why it should be 10 songs long, and I believe... um, Andy's response was "fuck you," "fuck Sony," and "no." And um, they put out the whole Darkest Days, and then we got dropped a little while later. So yeah, we 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 fought a battle and lost, but. He put, they, you know, they their record label and it's their
4: money, so they want to sell the product. You know, so they usually they put out a record, they get behind it, they do a lot of press, they support the record, and that record was just they put it on the boat. And, pushed it out into the world and, and save yourself
1: saved left. that record was, literally save yourself yeah. taken off on radio is the only thing that kept that record afloat
4: it did it, i mean it ended up going gold despite us getting sort of left in the lurch but um yeah they they did not support the record at all so
1: um, and we were not on columbia for the fourth record <laughs> and we were not on columbia
4: i think it was a pretty easy decision when it
3: was time to drop bands and they're like oh yeah these guys <laughs> trust that one So yeah, we fought the law and the law won.
0: Sounds like a good song.
4: (laughs) Wasn't there a point too where we, it was uh, talked about that we would drop two songs? So that that was after the whole ten song negotiation. Then we were going to drop two songs. And then we fought again. And after we were also told that we didn't have any singles, we fought again picked two songs, went back to Donnie and said, we're going to drop these two. And he said, "Now those are your singles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because you wanted yeah. to drop sometimes It Hurts and Haunting Me or something like that. Which <laughs> is like, uh, yeah, which like you <laughs> can't. Yes, I did. And <laughs> I wouldn't have to play them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops.
0: <laughs> More questions, anybody? Right there. I'm a little course. Speaking of
4: uh, not wanting to play it songs, you know, the, the ones that all the people... Sometimes it hurts. Is there any other that you're
1: just tired of doing? The ones we don't play. <laughs> <laughs> no! Uh, what do I have to do? I'm sorry. What do I have to do? Save Yourself Shame. All the singles, I still enjoy all of them because it. it we're not playing the songs for us. We're playing them for you. And so, it, I mean, we were doing the whole Darkest Days album for the last year and... of the fans liked it. The the 90% of the fans who were sort of like, oh, I remember stabbing Westward, they're like, You know, when are they going to play a song? We know, you know, because it really only had a couple of songs, like a couple of singles on it. And if you play the whole thing, it's fucking 16 songs long. So it's like an hour and Save Yourself is the third song. Right. So you hear the oh, hit right. like it's 15 minutes in and everyone's like out. So I, you have to find. So now we, we didn't do that last night. We kind of mixed up the songs and spread the singles out. So, it keeps, so it's like we're aware. That um it's it's not about us. It's about you. It's about the fans coming to and enjoy the show and and keeping them engaged. So we we play what you want to hear. We're not Radiohead. We're not ever going to play Creep again. Why? It's your best fucking song. It's the only one with a chorus, you know. Um, no, we, we we play all of them. Some of them are not fun live. Some of them don't translate well live. Like. Crushing Me is a really cool song, but when you play it live, you're like, wow, I've said the same thing six times in a row. Um, and and there's just, just songs that you think are gonna be awesome. Why is one of those songs where we keep trying to figure out how to play it live, and it just always feels like you're like, waist deep in tar, and trying to like, walk with like, like, you know, through really thick mud or something. Um, and if we could find ways to do it, but I think the set we have now, we will play forever. Just these songs, forever until so we all turn oh, it we'll, dust. We'll write new ones to add to it. They don't want to hear new songs. It's work. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear new songs? You guys want to hear new songs? I, I can play one on my phone. But um, we, we played a new song at Cold Ways Festival, and we thought everyone was going to be super fucking excited. I said, you guys want to hear a new song? Yeah! And And then we start playing it, and as soon as you get halfway in, everyone's like, (laughs) you know, everyone's on Facebook, and you're like, oh, you don't know this song, so therefore you're not into it, but if you paid attention, maybe you'd know the chorus the second time it happens, or the third time it happens, you know, but I realized in that moment that we're no longer in an age where people have the patience to listen to new music literally on the spot so what you have to do is walter's right if we release new music we need to get it on spotify we need to get it on pandora on myspace and um uh, and um it'll be the only thing there yeah (laughs) because except for your picture looking fucking sexy in the bus i saw that (laughs) this is me and these are my balls right here um but um yeah if we could get it to you early enough that you know it and then you come to the show and we say we're gonna play this go home and do some homework okay don't fucking turn your phone on um, I'd like to hijack everyone's phone at shows and like turn the strobe lights so that if you look at it it just starts strobing and you light up like a strobe light and so I can go asshole put your phone away because um, this gets really old Actually, trying to sing to someone who's literally going like that. And you're like, I'm right here. I'm you're spitting actually? on you. Put your phone down. Exactly. You could fucking touch me. I'm not that big. I'm right here.
0: That happened last night. Oh my I was, God. I was, it was standing to towards nuts. the back and I was watching you guys, and then someone in front of me pulled out their phone. Yeah. Which, want I grab a quick picture, fine. But like holding it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to watch. And if I i going, going, going to
1: watch that video.
0: Right? Ever. You are literally there. Watch the show.
1: You it's not gonna sound this. good later, it's gonna sound like shit later. Every, you thought I sang good? When did you go back and listen to it? It was all out of tune. We were drunk. So it's like, it's so good in the moment. And then you go back and it's like... <sighs> <laughs> and I'm this big and I look much fatter on the phone than I did in person. <laughs> so just watch the show. It drives me fucking nuts. I've literally like,
4: just crept up on somebody who's in the front row with their phone. And just put my crotch right yeah, in the just, face. <laughs> I saw the dude literally just go like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
4: then he's like, this guy is putting his. Put
1: him him. <laughs> it's funny, it's so frustrating. <laughs>
0: more questions, we got time for a few more. Anybody? What more? if we only <laughs> had fax machines and people brought their fax machine to the show? mean, they have them like, dial up yeah. sound every right.
2: time. <laughs>
1: Yes. yes i'm gonna xerox my boobs and send them to you <laughs> <laughs> fax machine so you never got fax boobs my girlfriend used to fax me boobs all the time at truck stops she'd stick her boobs on a fax machine fax <laughs> it to the truck, truck stop, stop and then she i was at truck she course. my girlfriends were generally at truck stops yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a thing so they would she would fax her boobs in the office and i'd say i'm at a truck stop and she'd send me a fax of her boobs and it'd be like the squishy black xerox <laughs> and i'd have I you know It's a thing.
4: It was a thing. I didn't know that hearing the phrase she used to put her boobs on the fax machine would make me laugh so hard. Right here in the front row, you had a question? Where do you go? How do you follow that? I was going to talk about kids, but like... Go! Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's what boobs on the fax machine leads to. (laughs) I would never have kids with a woman who sent her boobs to a drugstore.
0: (laughs) You know they copied that shit. Okay, go ahead. She forgot a question. She forgot a question. Oh, I have one. Does having kids change how you write music?
2: That
0: was it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That's what I'm here for. I'm a
2: professional.
1: Baby shark, <laughs> I do a um, uh, preschool music class. So I, I go to my kids preschool and I run around with an ukulele and sing. Wheels on the bus, big shark. When I get the runaway thing, I jump up and start running, and it's a Chinese preschool, and the Chinese teacher's like, no, 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 no. And all the kids start chasing me in a giant circle and become like a mosh pit, and the teacher's are like, like, no, 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 your chasing! But in Chinese, which I don't speak very well, um, yes, of course it changes. I don't swear nearly as much. Um, you haven't stopped, just not as much. Yeah, just not as much. Um, but, but no, I don't think it's changed the way we riot. I don't think so. No, because.
4: Like your stage presence like even last night there was a little kid
1: there that you were interacting that, with. yeah that was our merch guys um little girl who loves save yourself and i was oh, like yeah. do you see yourself doing that more
4: like now than like years ago like why the hell is this kid at my show like,
1: walter had kids when we were f- famous <laughs> back in the glory days when i didn't do this um
0: oh, so <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> uh
3: walter had kids when we were touring with depeche mode and he used to bring them out on stage that was damaging, so don't
4: do that. <laughs> I'll tell you, having kids and being old changes what happens. Well, not what happens, but... We have kids the same age. I'm 12 years older than him, so shut up, why you bitch? <laughs> we, we, played, we played a radio festival uh, last year or the year before, which was interesting. I hadn't considered it until we walked out on stage, but we walked out and started playing to a C of 17 year old kids who were like, okay, let me, let, let fucking me uncles I'm jumping in, are on stage, right? Who the fuck are these guys? And then are dawned on I me, mean, we don't have anything on the radio. These guys they have no fucking idea who we are.
1: These guys were so excited because it was for Walter's Alternative Radio Station. We're like, we're gonna play on the main stage at the Q101 picnic, it's gonna be huge, there's gonna be like 20,000 people. And, and I said, and not a single one will have a fucking clue who we are. No, 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 that no, no. They still play 100%. Save Yourself at 2 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's gonna be hard, guys. They're so excited. It's gonna be the biggest crowd we've played for in years. I'm like, and it's gonna be scary and horrible. And then um a band called the 1975. <laughs> I like to say 1979s, but I guess that's like um, none, of, none of whom were alive in 1975. No, <laughs> which is just like a basically More like nice. a super handsome boy band with this like like super handsome like kind of jacob meets it's like edward but combined but like a nonchalant i don't give a fuck sort of english guy and the the 12 year old tweens love him and at noon when the gates to the main place opened four thousand girls rushed in and they didn't go to any of the other stages or anything like that they went to the next gate which would then open at two o'clock to allow them to get into the pit And when that gate opened, 4,000 little girls rushed to the front of the stage and we were second band?
3: Yes. Second band.
1: And I was watching the first band and literally the the, the crowd was just nothing but girls. So if you were, you know, 22, it'd be like your wet dream. But as a 50 year old, I'm like, this is going to be fucking awful. Everyone was so excited, and then I get up, and I start singing, and I'm like, I'm not your fucking geography teacher, I'm not, you know, it was just awful, and they were just literally like, this creepy guy is looking at me, and they're just like, you're still not the 1975, I'm like, they're not coming on till." 10 o'clock at night, are you really going to fucking stand there and ruin every band's day? And they did. Yes. They ruined every <laughs> they fucking band's do. day. It was The, the cool.
4: alternative was not good either. I had a couple of those like 16-year-old girls like with low-cut shirts making eyes at me and I was like, fucking stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I didn't get that. Put on <laughs> a sweater and go home. Your parents are in the back. They're cheering for us because they remember us. There are the few people standing in the back row. To go back there
1: and then just get out of here. I saw like a, like four or five brave stabbing Westford fans standing up like, and I ran into the audience and like sang to them. But when you run into the audience with a wireless, as you get farther from the stage, you get farther from the music so you get out of time. And it's like, it's like this weird (laughs) delay thing so you're singing but you're not hearing it for a second later and then it's like it becomes this really hard to sing thing and i'm like i'm sorry i really have to go back up there because this is this is even worse than watching the twilight premiere so (laughs) what was the question Apparently, I had been listening to Nirvana and didn't realize it. (laughs) And was noodling on a guitar and wrote just a dumb little riff that is clearly underneath the bridge by Nirvana. Um, Is that what it's called? Something in the Way or whatever? Something in the Way. Um, And we just wrote a song and I think it ended up being on like a... We we did a lot of soundtracks. So we constantly needed songs to be on soundtracks. So we would just write a bunch of spare songs and that one got on Escape to LA, right? Are you coming yeah. to the acoustic thing? I'm sorry? Are you coming to the acoustic thing? We'll, we'll play it there. Awesome. Oh, Jack loses breath. And, and by the way, it's not acoustic. Wait, the acoustic set isn't acoustic. It's is not acoustic. Oh, okay. I will be the only acoustic instrument. We've got time for one more question. Why do men have nipples?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Not, that wasn't my question. I meant questions from them, guys. Oh. So, you go oh, in the back. I'm scared, right. Do you have any idea
3: what time Really? A <laughs> wow, really? <right, right. laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. Let's check the internet. No, I have no idea. That's not they... I don't know. Wow. We're supposed to be there at 3. How far is it? Two hours. Two hours. Yeah, so we'll probably leave it.
3: Hours.
1: Two? Drive yeah. <laughs> <As laughs> last... really fast. Huh? It's the last time we'll play there, and I yeah. think they're doing two more shows after that. It's sad. There's a lot of places like that closing. It's sad. Yeah, a lot of the great venues. You know, pretty soon we'll just set up webcams, and you guys can just watch on your phone. It'll be
3: like being there. And the other thing that's really sad about it is, and it's happening in a lot of cities, is um, big giant corporations are coming in and pushing out these independent concert promoters, and therefore <coughs> <Asian>. places. <laughs> Places like that and there's a bunch of places in Chicago that are gonna end up going away because they can't compete against a company that can get a band in every market and get them from the ground floor and take them up to arenas and um, that's a that's a bad thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there are not a lot of small club closings in New York. Yeah. And it's just that Yeah. Yes. So that means you're
0: gonna tour more so to keep them alive for
1: the rest of us? Two or more? Yeah. No. We're still just gonna do weekends. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I got a call this morning. My kid um, was mad that I was not at karate class, so he just stood there pissed off, and his teacher got mad and took his belt away.
2: And so I got this, like,
1: fucked-up call from, from mom going, yeah, because you're at a goth convention, you know, Gibby lost his belt. I'm like, I didn't tell him not to, to participate, and who the fuck takes a five-year-old's karate belt? How mean is that? I mean... <laughs> I punched the guy, but he's a black belt in karate, so please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, guys.
0: Thank you to everyone. <laughs> um, we're going to break down so they can start setting up for the stuff. up. Right, great, breakdown and set up. But thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for coming. Enjoy the rest of the con.
2: That's it for this episode of Crash Course Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashcords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of Weberless the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens
3: of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weberless.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.